This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Zumper, the quick and easy way to find your next apartment or home rental. With 1 million apartments and real-time updates, you'll be the first to know when a new apartment hits the rental market. And with their one-click Experian-powered application feature, you can lock down your new home right now from your phone before it's gone. To try Zumper today, go to zumper.com slash PCP. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 369, being recorded on September 30th, 2015. I'm Ryan Schraub. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malventano. Man, everybody sounds so good now they got their new microphones and stuff. How you guys feel Don't over we? there? You feel as good I, as you sound, or is it just fake? My my voice has a, a much more res quality to it. I can enunciate. Yeah, Seven your Skype packets Practice don't, doing but... handstands in the living room carpet. That's pretty good. Wow. Right. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Jeremy? I could pick a peck of pickled peppers without popping once. It's pretty good. I think that microphone has improved his uh, packets from Canada. <laughs> they, they, they have maybe decreased the packets from Wyoming, yeah. if that's possible. Uh, so anyway, let's get started. It was a busy week, and we left out a couple of things from last week, and then people add things in at the last minute. So all the show planning I go through uh-huh. and the hours leading up to it really means dick. Yep. Uh, so you know what? You enjoy the really flexibility. It. Uh, it fits in with the rest of your outside life. I am not a flexible person, both in real life or in my professional life. So <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. You're somewhat flexible. Uh, I don't. What? What? <laughs> Says the Submariner. What? All right. Well, we got to start the show over. Hey, everybody. I'm Ryan Shaw. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. with the best of them. It's amazing what he can do with that six-foot-three frame. Uh, uh, so uh, we do record the show on Wednesday nights at about 10 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Pacific at pcpro.com slash live. And if you need a gentle reminder, we provide such a gentle reminder in the form of an email mailing list you can find at pcpro.com slash subscribe. It's very easy to get to. You go to pcpro.com slash subscribe. And uh, do we not have that screen up at all? Uh, we probably don't have that. We'll keep going. You've seen the list before. It's not that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> it has a place for you to put your name and a place to put in your email address. And uh, and then everything works great, right? And we send you an email an hour. I think we actually sent the email uh, quite a bit earlier today uh, than normal. Let me minimize that. Oh, there we go. That page right there. Uh, and you fill out that information and we send you an email. It's pretty nice. So uh, I actually, anybody that wants to offer feedback in the chat room so I can see it, would you rather have the email earlier like we had it today or like closer to 10 o'clock? Um, because that's something we debate about internally. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Hey, on our Twitch page, we're using the HTML5 streamer. Yeah, you can get uh, the pop-out. It's now borderless. Oh, which is interesting. Cool. Interesting. Nice. Interesting. Go uh, online streaming stuff. Great. Fantastic. Earlier. Always earlier, people are saying. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll do that. Um, All right, we'll send it Tuesdays. So, yeah. <laughs> the day before. Tuesday. Don't forget, tomorrow. Send it after the podcast ends. Yes. Uh, yes. There we go. All right. So next week, we'll be having a podcast. So uh, last Thursday, before we could, I guess I tease on the podcast, hey, stay tuned tomorrow morning for more DX12 benchmarks. So let's just talk about that real quick. It's been out for a full week, so I don't know how much... Uh, interest there is in, in kind of a discussion of it because clearly everybody has gone to PCPro.com and and has read the story at least multiple times. Uh, Fable Legends benchmark was released last week, and it is a DX12 game um, that is very different in how it 
uh, applies the DirectX 12 API than the other benchmarks we have seen. So previous to this, we saw the ashes of the singularity test. That is uh, much more about how many units and things can we put on screen at one time. Uh, and you know how does the, the CPU draw call count affect that and CPU performance overhead. So in that benchmark, we actually looked at CPU platforms more, more, more as a focus than GPU platforms. This is more of your traditional game. If you look at the screenshot here, it is a AAA title in terms of graphical fidelity. That is its goal, is to make it as beautiful and good-looking as possible. And in, in most ways, that is kind of a... Um, I'm not going to try to play that video on this machine, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, but that's more traditional for AAA titles, right? They're, they're Crisis 3, Metro, uh, Last Light, those types of games. They're less worried about how many things can I get on the screen versus how pretty can I, can I make it. Um, so that's kind of the primary difference with this. If you haven't seen the benchmark, uh, if you go to our story, you can actually watch a 4K version of it that we were able to uh, capture. Uh, play it back at 30 hertz, uh, or you can obviously play it back at 1080p if your system needs to do that. Um, the other kind of main difference here is this benchmark does not give you a DX11 and a DX12 score. Like it only runs in DirectX 12 mode, and you get one like you get one combined score at the end. That's kind of like the score they were pushing on us. Like, hey, like this is the score that really matters. This 2,795 that you see on the screen if you're watching the video version here. Um, that is. Uh, it's actually your frame rate times 100, if you're curious about that, like where that number comes from, your average frame rate multiplied by 100. Um, and then you get an interesting breakdown of other things there. So like G-buffer rendering, dynamic lighting, global illumination, compute shaders, and all those are in milliseconds, so lower is better in that particular instance. Um, and that's an interesting breakdown of kind of like how much time the GPU spent doing each of those things. And we got interesting information like, hey, it turns out NVIDIA is better at global illumination, but AMD's uh, GPUs seem to be better at dynamic lighting, which is basically everything else involved in the lighting process except um, the global illumination there. So uh, there's a good breakdown of all that. Also, they provide a, an Excel sheet. You can see like it's like... Huge. I want to say it's like 80 columns. That's more than that. It's like 100 columns worth of information for each frame. It breaks down stuff like... Um, Everything from frame time to GPU thread time to GPU time spent rendering fog is like in that. Like it's it's incredibly detailed, How and did we you didn't even export that picture. Uh, I took a screenshot with my screenshot tool you had to across like... the mod, the full two oh, monitors, like okay. across two mod, two twenty five sixty monitors. Whew. You can click on it to enlarge it and get a little bit more detail, but it actually goes even beyond that. That's about half of uh, of all crazy. the columns there. But good. Yeah, us. it's it's really interesting stuff. Yeah. So uh, we only did one platform. We used a Skylake system, but we used eight GPUs this time. Uh, tested 1080p and 4K. That was kind of a restriction of the benchmark itself. The general rules are, the general results are, uh, they look something like this. The uh, GTX 980 Ti is faster than the Fury X, but the R9 390X is faster than the 980. Okay. All right. So that's kind of like your higher end products. And if you look at the lower end products, the mainstream, you say the R9 380 is actually faster than the GTX 960, but the GTX 950 is faster than the R7 370. And those comparisons are kind of the price competitive comparisons. But when you're saying faster or slower, just looking at the chart, it kind of looks like within just a few percentage points in like every, um, almost every so case. So it's about 10, like the GTX 950 is 10% faster than the 370. Is that really 10%? Yeah, it's about 400, 350 points. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, 
Titan, the 980 Ti is 5.7% faster yeah. than the Fury X. So it right? seems so like they're smaller. They're trading blows back and forth. They are. Depending on which one you're yeah. looking at. Yeah. Uh, you can see what's also interesting here is that the, the AMD cards tend to have more consistent frame times than NVIDIA cards. This is all single GPU stuff, by the way, no multi-GPU. Really? So if you look at 95th percentile, the advantages that NVIDIA does have are actually a little bit compressed. Huh. And the advantages AMD has tend to expand a little bit okay. when you look at the 95th percentile. And then here is a table, I won't go into a whole bunch of detail on this, that breaks down those GPU timings. Right. So you can see, uh, if you look at the dark green bar right here, um, that is, which one is that? That's the, oops, too far. That is the compute shader line, right? Uh, and that shows you that the compute shaders are actually running about twice as fast on the Fury X as they are on the 980 Ti. Oh, okay. Um, which, is, which is kind of interesting Man, that's a really detailed to look at. Benchmark. But if you look at the yellow line that shows dynamic global, global illumination, you can see that it's about three times faster on the 980 Ti than it is on the Fury X. So that's breaking down each part of each frame and how long it had to take to do each so frame. So that's not free. That's, that is an average of each frame. Okay, but it's still breaking down like Correct. all the different parts of the engine. And you can actually, if I wanted to go through that Excel file, I could do a per-frame analysis. You could do 95th, 99th percentile yeah. on, on all that the stuff. The average is, but, it's pulling it from that, but it's yeah. just like, yeah. 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 Huh. And then, I'm, this is, I can't, I absolutely cannot do that on this machine, but we introduced a new graph for frame times that is interactive, where you can scale oh, and scroll yeah. and all that stuff, but this... Um, machine is having i have like a ton of tabs open and already so we'll leave that alone but you can see we've got our frame times here uh 980 versus fury x fairly consistent but as you get into the lowest end cards like that 950 950 versus uh r7370 comparison you can see a lot more uh frame variance 4k results very similar everything's lower but the uh the kind of differences between the competing products are very similer there you can see 980 ti still fashion the fury x uh, but the 980 still slower than the 390X. Or, I'm sorry. Yes, the 390X. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we're at with this. And it, it's really interesting data, and I encourage you guys to go look at these interactive graphs if you get a chance, because we spend a lot of time kind of developing it. So do those numbers jive with the previous DX12 benchmark, or no? <sighs> Not really. Because that one, like, had issues, AMD, supposedly, right? It, well, no. Not, or that wasn't, like, sure. really representative the, 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 I, it's it's perfectly representative because it's a real game engine, and any debate about that okay. is crap, right? So Nvidia coming out saying it, it's not a, a valid or, or worthwhile benchmark is well, stupid. What I, what I mean is, out of these okay, two D, now, DX12 is a huge, huge thing with many technologies in there, mm-hmm. and yeah. the Ashes utilized a certain set that really hammered on certain aspects. This one is slightly different, and so, so it this utilizes one, different yeah, things well, inside guess, the spec. I guess what and I'm getting so at is they're they're not apples and oranges, but I mean they're still all DX12. But that would, the DX12 would be the orchard, and then you're throwing <laughs> both apples and oranges. Well, are, there, are they orange orchards? Is that what they're called? I don't think that's I don't think that fits. Out of these two benchmarks, <laughs> which one do we think is more representative of like typical games that are going to be DX12? Like which one is the oddball? If you made me answer, it? I'd say Fable Legends, if only because it is a game engine that is more built around increasing visual fidelity as opposed to increasing 
like realism through interactivity, like okay. multiple, like hundreds or thousands of things on screen. I mean, the Ashes of the Singularity benchmark is an RTS, a very high-end RTS, and there's going to be games built on that. It, you know, Ashes, of, Ashes of the Singularity won't be the only game built on that uh, Nitrous engine. Mm-hmm. But I would say my guess is, especially initially, a lot of it will be more about how can we use the new rendering capabilities of DirectX 12 uh, than anything else. If you look at some of these screenshots, you know, looking at them on this page on the stream isn't really going to give you the full effect. But if you go to the story and click on these screenshots, they're really, really, really gorgeous. Um, and you know, this benchmark is is again, it's still, it's this is I would say this might be less representative of a final game because. There's no characters in it. There's no spells. There's no effects. There's no actual gameplay happening. This is really a here's some scenes and we're going to pan through them and see got what. Lots of objects and, and yeah. lots of lighting and we have our own little GI illumination that right. nobody else has. And yeah, it's and, it, and it's and it's gorgeous. But uh, you know, I'll be curious. This game is going to be out, I think, this year, at least in a beta form of some kind. So we'll be able to reevaluate performance. At that point, um, this may actually be the first DirectX 12 game that ships yeah. to the PC. So uh, we'll see. It's 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 interesting. Um, I don't know. We'll go. We'll go from there. Uh, real quick mention, I guess. Uh, Lee posted a review just today. Actually, nope, yesterday I lied. Corsair RMX series, fully modular, 850 watt power supply. This is actually a completely new line of uh, power supplies. It's not like they don't Corsair. have enough lines already. Yet again, <laughs> yeah, this Can is we true. Count those up, like Lisa's you know, I'm not up. hammering them on this, but boy, they've got a lot of power supply. Look, lines. when they get into a product segment, they go all out. Cases, all. check. Yeah. Keyboards, check. Yeah. Power supplies nice. and dozens gotcha. of models for each. Well, it's all from this whole memory thing. I mean, back in the days of uh, PC 100 and SD RAM, and then going forward with that with strange timings and yeah. numbers. And yeah, they've carried that so over to the, everything. The RMX series is now being added to the RM and RMI series. <laughs> uh, this one will be available in 550, 650, 750, 850, and 1000 watts. Um, these power supplies are equipped with fully modular cables optimized for very quiet operation and very high efficiency. They incorporate zero RPM fan mode, which means fan does not spin until it's uh, at a moderately heavy load. Uh, all RMX power supplies are 80 plus gold certified for higher efficiency. So uh, high quality components, all Japanese made uh, electrolytic capacitors guarantees these power supplies to deliver clean, stable, continuous power, even at ambient temperatures up to 50 C. And I don't know what I just clicked. Um, so the it, it's a fantastic power supply. I'm not going to go into all the the evaluations. It got an editor's choice from Lee. Lee has probably reviewed hundreds of power supplies for us. So if you uh, value anybody's opinion on power supplies, make it his and nobody else's, um, and and go check out this review. Um, if you think you need a unit, and like like I said, it's five fifty, six fifty, seven fifty, eight fifty, a thousand. So if you don't need eight hundred fifty watts. Then get the there's thousand. A, there's, then get a thousand. <laughs> Chicken. Do it. And then fit it in a mini ITX case, right, Ken? Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving on again. Speaking of Ken, Ken posted a little uh, little write-up here. Two weeks in a row. Wow. Look at that. Getting productivity out of the kid. Way more than Josh. Oh. Hey. Whoa. Today was my fourth. 
fourth water. Article like this year? Drink. Eat me. <clears throat> Eat me, I'm a Danish. Sing uh, that to Falco. So this is – this was more uh, – it's less of a review and more of a, hey, people are always interested in what we're doing here internally. Um, our editing workstation previous to this upgrade had been based on a Core i7-990X Nehalem 6-core 12-thread processor. Mm-hmm. It had 24 gigs of memory. Um, it had a standard SATA SSD, a Sandforce SSD. It never died on us. <sighs> We were fortunate. Uh, and Actually, we replaced it. Oh, we we are made that out and replaced it. With a different Sandforce oh. one? Well, with the same. Like, same oh, same okay. line. We okay. are made it. And got uh, so it was an X58 motherboard, 990X processor, which I think we decided was built in 2011. Yeah, I think it's Q1. Now, even though we have access to all kinds of kick-ass hardware here, the problem is, is we like stability. Yep. Right, so that's why I used the same. I used the same laptop for a considerable amount of time. If it ain't broke, right, and that's for the most part up until recently. We'll talk about later. Like phones, kind of just you know go with what's there, even if I get a bunch of review ones in. And so that's what we had done on the production system. It worked fine for 10, for 1080p processing, which is what we had been doing this whole time. Mm-hmm. However, uh, when we started looking at Moving into 4K production, we borrowed a GH4 from B&H Photo, did, recorded some video, did a couple uh, like our Voodoo 3 unboxing video that was done in 4K. Uh, and we started to see very quickly that the system was not capable of really handling it. You could you could play back video, but it was stuttery. You couldn't play it back at full res. Uh, scrubbing through the timeline was a waste of time, to be honest. It was, it was horrible. Slideshow. Yeah. So we started to investigate different options. Uh, Ken looked at, you know, hey, do we want to get an X99 platform with a 5960X, which is a eight-core Nehalem E, or I'm sorry, Nehalem E, wow, Haswell E, <laughs> Nehalem E, wow, create a process, <laughs> right? Uh, but it was X99 based. You know, you get all the connectivity benefits of lots of PCI Express slots, USB 3, and other things like that. Uh, uh, there, I guess USB 3.1 would have been an option as well. But the issue was we were worried that going from a 6-core to an 8-core system, even though you get these IPC improvements and you get clock speed improvements, uh, maybe wouldn't be enough in terms of let's make this be able to be used for another four years or whatever. Right? So we ended up finding that we had – we just happened to have, <laughs> for reasons we won't discuss, a couple of Intel Xeon ES2680 uh, V2 processors, which are Ivy Bridge EP – Based, mm-hmm. um, so they're architecturally a little bit long in the tooth at this point, uh, but they each had ten cores and they were hyper-threaded, right? So we had twenty cores and forty threads of available processing here, just kind of sitting around. We're like, okay, what can we build around that? We're looking at chassis, we're looking at motherboards. Uh, we have the same setup really as our streaming machine, right? It's an Ivy Bridge E yeah, system. It's, it's the next processor up, like a hundred megahertz bump, okay. I think. But uh, and we have to use like you have to use a huge case because it's the SSI EEB yeah. form factor. Little, the only consumer case I've ever found is the Cosmos Two, which is what we're using. Yeah, yeah. May, Cos- maybe like a nine hundred D, but nobody wants that. Yeah, and like we're trying to, we just didn't. That one won't fit under our desk. Like we have a we have this Cosmos case, we have to sit out to the side because it won't fit under the desk. But a four U chassis on its side will. A 4U chassis on its side will. So but, I, I but was 4U chassis are loud, Alan. We don't want a loud machine. Right. That is a 4U chassis, though. So we were talking with our uh, friends over at Supermicro. I was like, hey, you know what motherboards do you have? We're looking at chassis. And he said, you know what? What about 
barebone systems. If you looked at any of the barebone systems that we have, and they actually had one this. This is the Super Workstation 7047A-T. It's a barebones kit. Ships with a motherboard. Uh, basically, it comes with motherboard, power supply, coolers, case, obviously. Everything pre-connected, everything pre-wired. Um, you add processors, you know, memory, video card, storage, and you kind of go, right? That's what the uh, whole idea behind the uh, barebones is. It included in it the Super Micro Super X9 DAI motherboard. Uh, and it was, as Ken, or as Alan alluded to, rather, a 4U chassis tilted up, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at the picture of it, it's very deep, like in terms of front to back. There's a lot of space yeah. there, which is actually nice for working in. Uh, but it also allows you to have, uh, like, hot swappable fans and a whole bunch of cool mm-hmm. things that and you would it, normally get on server chassis. And it's compartmented just like a regular yeah, but They, they sell a rack out. kit for this bare yeah. bones. Oh, you can they? rack it if you Makes want sense. to. Okay. But since it's is designed it to be... with the Super Micro Super Pipes? No. It Maybe. is not. No, it is not. Oh. But it is filled with throttled fans. Like, from the factory. So they choke them. They're not... Or fans. <laughs> they're, they're fans. So that was one of the worries, right, is you get in one of these barebone systems that's meant for rack mount, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you expect to hear 20,000 RPM right. fans. Right. The, the rack mount server that Intel sent us years ago for storage testing at one point... That sounded like loud, that. And we couldn't yeah. use it because it's like, well, look, we have one office room, essentially, right? And we can't work in that type of environment. So uh, we were pleasantly surprised with this. Everything was very quiet. The CPU coolers are quiet. Uh, the chassis fans are quiet. They're hot swappable, meaning like you can they're, – they're in like a little holder. You pull yeah. it out. You don't have to worry about finding the cable. It kind of like just docks in place. Mm-hmm. Something that people who work in servers and workstations are more familiar with. And I really think should be something that case – like. Enthusiast case manufacturers should really think about should be. doing, right? Like Corsair, knowing that they have the chassis and the fans and all that infrastructure, why they don't have that capability. Because even in this one, the fans aren't really built that way. There's just like a plastic shell yeah. that holds the fan and then holds the connector for mm-hmm. the power. In a it is, it is a standard. Area. That'd be a great way to try to lock someone into buying your fans, too. So I'm surprised they haven't done it. That's true. Yeah. Like, well, and they've got this whole... Corsair Link thing going, which yeah. might yeah. Like uh, handle right this. They're missing out on a branding thing there. They yeah. really should. We should let's cut this out of the show, and I'm going to sell it to them tomorrow. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Okay. Um, so uh, the chipset on this is like X79 based, but it's C602, the Xeon equivalent. Uh, but that tells you where we are generationally. Um, the coolers were fine in it. Uh, they were they're they're great. They, they have no problem. They keep things down for storage. Uh, we wanted to use uh, Intel SSD 750 series product mm-hmm. just again to keep things moving quick, uh, scrubbing through 4K video, all that stuff. The problem was this platform doesn't support booting off of NVMe. Yep. So we had to install like a uh, a data 128 gig SATA SSD. Yeah, into the system as a boot drive, and then use this. SSD 750 series is kind of like the work drive, mm-hmm. right? Which is fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's, you know, whatever. It, you install the applications to it, you install the projects to it, and boom, you, you know, you're, you're, you're effectively doing the same thing. We upgraded the GPU to a Quadro, uh, what is this, K5200? Yep. On this, which is a, kind of a cut-down Kepler GK110 base part, and then 64 gigs of registered DDR3 memory. So we got 20 cores, 40 threads, 64 gigs of RAM, 400 gigs of PCIe storage. Yeah, 400 gigs of PCIe storage, plus you know some hard drives in there in RAID for uh, longer-term storage, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. In terms of CPU performance differences, um, this is kind of interesting. So uh, 
the blue lines here are single threaded. The orange lines are multi threaded. Uh, actually, interestingly, single threaded. The, the Nehalem 990X is a little bit faster than the single threaded scores of the Xeon 10 core part. Is that just a base clock? Difference? It's like a base clock issue. Yeah, like the base clock of the Xeons is 2.8. Yeah. yeah, and the base clock of the Nehalem is 3.4. Yeah, it's like three point. It's, it's like difference. 3.56 to three point. Eight five. Yeah, very small is, is turbo, the turbo range, range on that. Product. Was, I think that was the first processor to implement it. Just like the but first they, platform, at least. But the, the reason first. for the difference is there's so many more cores on the other part that they yeah. had to drop the yeah the base clock. Yeah. So, but if you look at multi-threaded, uh, the score jumps from 804 to 2515. <laughs> so it's like a 3.2x. <laughs> Scroll up a bit. Do I have that screenshot in there? Yeah. If you've ever run Cinebench, this is. Is that drawing all tiles simultaneously? <laughs> Basically, it draws a lot. Simon. It draws a lot of tiles. <laughs> Usually, that takes a while to draw that whole thing, and it's just drawing them all at the same yeah. time. Yeah, except for like a little ring around the perimeter. So now, obviously, in Adobe Premiere, we don't get a 3.2x speed up. We took our 4K video project, ran it on both systems, and we saw like a 60% improvement in actual encoding time. It's because like, it doesn't use all the threads. It's only using like half the threads, and yeah. we—I'm uh, not sure if it's. If it's a configuration issue, or if it's maybe more of a, um, I think it's just it's just render. Premiere just doesn't want to use just, more than forty threads. Which damn it! Well, it's probably or only more using, than twenty threads. Yeah, Sorry. it's only using about twenty. So yeah, yeah you don't really yeah, need. Yeah, we were looking into kind of sort of it being a NUMA issue and how it's yeah. the dual processor presented as separate. Maybe even though we only windows. get like a sixty percent improvement in the actual encode time, like. Now you can actually use the 4K video yeah. in the system, right? Like you can play it back in, at full resolution. You can scrub through the timeline. Like there's, yeah. Everything is definitely working much, much, much faster. faster. And yeah. we cut our time in half. A little more in half. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. awesome. Um, in total, the value of all this is about, what would you say, $7,000, Ken? The Somewhere bare, out there. The bare-bones system itself is, I think, fairly reasonable at like 1000 bucks, just over $1,000. For the case with the server motherboard? It's a case, motherboard, coolers... 1200 watt power supply. Power supply. Yeah. That's great for that. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, um, you know, I saw some people in the comments say, oh, that they don't update their BIOSes very often. It's they like, don't. I mean, that's kind of server workstation markets. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they find something that's stable and then they leave it there. Yeah. Kind of like yep. what we're doing in general. Um, the but processors with, are still worth $1,700 a piece. With server motherboards, generally when you buy server parts, the, even if. For a lot of companies, even if like you're just one small customer who just only bought one part, like yeah. typically if you email them with enough info and feed that back to them, you they might give you a one-off firmware for your specific sure. issue. Like that yep. tends to happen more for server parts than consumer. Like consumer, you'll have to wait for like them to roll out the yeah. next firmware, but that goes to everybody, right? Somebody in, the, different. somebody in the chat is pointing out here, Alex Seattle, I don't know if this is accurate, he says $7,000 is about what a six-core Mac Pro with 32 gigs of RAM costs. I don't know if that's true. Or not. That might okay. be with two GPUs as well. It, it, they're all two they're GPUs. They're all two GPUs. Yeah. But, I mean, the difference of a 6-core and a 20-core processing platform is going to be pretty dramatic. <laughs> did, that, yeah. did, did that Quadro, like, play into the performance difference, I guess? We don't use a GPU encoding. Oh. We use CPU encoding. The GPU encoders tend to be problematic and lower visual quality. Okay. So it was no GPU, The GPU... Uh, kind of helps with um what do they call it the mercury playback engine yeah, it helps with the real time playback in the timeline it yeah. helps okay. a lot okay. using uh, cuda for that yeah. yeah but that does not play into the rendering results that we have in that article right? correct yeah. correct um so that's kind of where we're at now so now we're, we're prepared for 4k video we need to we still need to invest in 4k camera Cameras. gear again yeah. it's just like uh, God, i hate paying for crap like that um 
But I do want to thank Supermicro. They did supply it. They gave us that barebone server. Um, so we do we do thank them for that. Uh, and uh, then we were able to put our whole system together and we'll be able to bring back or bring 4K content to you guys here in the relatively near future. And if nothing else, in the meantime, the 1080p crap renders a lot faster too. Yeah. So we, did, we didn't put a stopwatch to it, but it's certainly faster. Yeah, everything, yeah. everything moves nice. Um, so there's that. So we... Uh, we oh I don't I have a whole story here I didn't even open up yet let's uh what are we gonna do here we're gonna talk to Josh me <laughs> oh wait did the did the sadness come through in my voice because I didn't really want it to uh, it came through did it I'm sorry yeah. Josh. it's a good microphone but, but nobody cares I'm sorry Josh yeah so Josh you have been looking into some of the debate and stuff around the new Samsung A9. Nope, hold on. The Apple A9 processor <laughs> That's made derivatives. By, yes. That apparently forks. some are made by TSMC and some are made by Samsung. They're forks, right? Correct. Yeah. So what do you got? Okay, so the deal here. <clears throat> a couple days ago, I think uh, Chipworks released this initially. said uh, the A9 comes in two different flavors, a Samsung produced and a TSMC. Now, Samsung's is the 14 nanometer FinFET, TSMC 16 nanometer FinFET. We've been hearing about these for a long time. Samsung <clears throat> has been producing 14 nanometer FinFET products with their Exynos, the latest line that came out in what March and April, with the Galaxy S6. Yep, and uh, they were very you know wild, wild, widely hailed as good parts, and these were really the first pretty decent sized SOCs that came out in a process node sub. 20 nanometer that we had seen from anybody. And so it was kind of a shock when these originally came out. Nobody was expecting it. Samsung did a lot of work in their foundries. They did a lot of good good. well, they did a good job in, in getting it out and working. It was so good that Global Foundries went ahead and licensed that technology and they're trying to integrate that into uh, I think it's Fab 8 in New York. Um, it's not going so well for them at the moment. No. Yeah, but I think they're kind of trying to shoehorn that technology into current machines, and it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it, it'll eventually work, but who knows? But, but back to what we're talking about. Yes, please. Um, previous years, when process nodes were not as technologically advanced, we would often see, uh, Devices and designs uh, go across multiple foundries. Certainly, things had to be done to get them all to work, but not to the level that we're seeing here because Samsung's 14 nanometer FinFET technology is very different. I mean, they it still is, is small. It still uses FinFETs, but a lot of the development between TSMC and Samsung was totally different. And so the structures kind of look the same, but a lot of the properties are different. So they've each got different standard cells. They've each got different design libraries. And even though the A9 part is not a huge chip and it doesn't eat a lot of power, it's still a complex endeavor to be able to go from one manufacturer to another when it comes to actually you know, using, utilizing an advanced process mm -hmm. for these parts. 
and this tells us many things. One, Apple is is got very deep pockets because they've got to buy new masks for each one. They they've got to do low level design work uh, for each design. And again, I, I'm talking about design libraries. They're they're two different things. They they've got different electrical characteristics uh, from the standard cell that uh, Samsung provides as compared to what TSMC does. And we're not even talking about the custom work that Apple has done that is then reflected in each different design. And and there's going to be different stuff involved in there that's going to take man hours, it's going to take money, and it's going to take time. And right. apparently Apple has... They got money. They've they've got these things, and they have a very regular release schedule. But go ahead. I was going to say they have a and they have a regular a very regular release schedule that allows them to plan these things out. Yeah, they know when they will have more money. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So the other thing that this kind of tells us is that uh, there's not a whole lot of line space at either Samsung or TSMC that they can't handle a major company who is willing to fork out the money to get as much line space as possible. And when they get the answer back from each of the foundries and say, hey, we can't do anything near that, and they you know, go into the boardroom and say, uh, what do we do? Is like, well, we're going to have to lean on them both, and we're going to have to have do the design work to get these chips up and running on both of these lines. And not only do we have to have the basic design taped out, masks created, but also we've got to dedicate engineers to go there with the fabs, get some of the first products out, troubleshoot them, do changes in the metal layers, optimize how things are running in the process uh, department, and get out working parts. And they're doing that for two different fabs, usually like AMD and NVIDIA. When they're releasing GPUs, they go with TSMC. And they've got engineers that are embedded in those uh, in in the factories, and they're doing all that work. Well, Apple had to hire more guys, or split their guys, or both, and do one for Samsung, one for TSMC, and doing totally different work because the properties of the processes, while somewhat similar, are different enough that one design being photo resisted over on another uh, line is, is just not going to work. That's just not the way it happens. Too many variables in there, too many difference. And, I mean, we're just at such a small level of features that any small difference is going to have major ramifications throughout the entire design. So Apple spent a lot of money to do this. I'm real curious if they're just not eating a lot of space from both TSMC and Samsung and other guys like NVIDIA and AMD are – Kind of left, probably pretty pissed. <laughs> not real happy <laughs> because it sounds like they're both leaning on TSMC's 16 nanometer FinFET Plus process technology for their higher end GPUs that are coming out next year. Uh, what kind of equipment do I need to duplicate what Chipworks does here in terms of uh, <laughs> figuring, not much. figuring it out? It would fill. It the looks office. pretty easy. Like they just drew up some diagrams, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, you just need yeah. an X-ray machine. That's yeah. part of it. And you got a, and a razor. Yeah. Like a Bic. Yeah. And some acetone. Just rub yeah. some acetone just, on top of the chip. Just, yeah. Just a very steady that. hand. The, the thing that's kind of interesting, we've talked about this before, is that uh, Samsung has done a better job in size optimizing their process. But we don't know anything about 
the actual electrical cap- uh, uh, properties of, of these products. We don't know which one can, you know, has faster switching transistors. We don't know which one has the, the better uh, power curves when it comes to performance and, and jacking up uh, how much power is, is applied to the device versus what kind of TDPs we can expect out of them. And so far, nobody has really done in-depth studies on the iPhone 6s of each one to see which one draws more power, which one has better battery life. I, I'm, I'm wondering if Apple didn't kind of take down the clocks so that they're more or less equal in, in, in some of those things. So, you know, somebody doesn't have, you know, a golden sample 6S Plus versus, you know, one that gets two hours less battery because it's running on a TSMC product or vice versa. Yeah. I'd imagine they're probably pretty close. So, Ken? So, it's interesting. We Alan, have, well, we have... T- and Ryan. Yeah. Go ahead. Get those together. Find out what you got. Uh, Alan so, didn't buy one. Alan didn't get one. Really? So, He's a loser. Ken and I, the two iPhone 6s we have, both are TSM, Samsung. Samsung. The iPhone 6s Plus we have is TSMC. TSMC. Which sounds potentially interesting. Suggests maybe that TSMC draws more. No. No. The, the no. Actually, the, the, the data is available from that app. It is actually, actually Samsung is in the minority of the six S's. Yeah. Oh. Bit. It's like okay. a 60 40 split, and we ended up in the 40. Yeah. Um, so we're saying is we need a success that's. Well, we TSMC. would like to have the. Pro- we were thinking it's like, oh, cool. Now we can benchmark the two SOCs next to each other. But since yeah, they're in different can. form factors, yeah. it's. it's yeah. Especially on a mobile device where form factor and skin temperature and all that stuff means so much yeah. about the performance of it. Comparing a, a plus to a regular is not, not like yeah, it's an apple. Like thong, you're not going to get a good apples to apples comparison. Yeah, it's out of the it's out of the orchard. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I could have gone. I guess I could have checked at the Verizon store. I could have like. <laughs> Gone to their demo. I could install that, right? You could have. Do you have? No, you have to. You didn't have to have a. a nope. You didn't have to log into the phone or yeah, anything. Yeah, it's like a an, an privately signed. And it's an enterprise yeah, signed anyway. license. Hmm. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, There'd be a lot of cool stories. If you, like engineers have a lot of cool stories about this. I'm sure. Like trying to design in, in two, the, two, in two processors. Yeah, at the same time, out. and nobody will ever know. Yep. No one will ever know. I'll find out all about it in a couple of weeks, guys. Don't you worry. <laughs> I would, do Do you think like the software that they use to do the layouts and stuff? Wouldn't you think it's like evolving to the point where maybe like everybody's using kind of like the same main software with like different you know setups for different fabs or something, where maybe it might be easier to port the, something. The EDS over the stuff. The, the I mean, they they put out new stuff every year, and all of the designers they they buy it for these horrific prices that yeah. just because <laughs> each year they do slightly better okay. but it's it's i love to say this word it's not a panacea <laughs> if you want a well performing part yeah, and you, you can have, ask you have to amd and compare it to intel with their products because amd does a whole lot of uh, automated uh, place and route versus intel is is mostly uh, hand place and route where they've got you know an engineer working 30 days on this PLL loop and that's that's something that they <laughs> that sounds thrilling just absolutely thrilling I, yes. day 26 <laughs> oh it's it's just, I connected this transistor to this diode it's brutal in but software it, it in software and then it 
that's it was the way exhilarating. It works, and then I modeled it. <laughs> oh wait, and so and that that's didn't why work. we see massive differences in, in efficiency from work. Intel parts and AMD, even though they may be using well, at least at 32 nanometer. Um, you know, AMD has got a a bigger part because the automated place and route just is not as efficient as that engineer in a closet working 30 days on a <laughs> loop. So, um, we call him the looper. <laughs> Send the uh. intern to the closet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. This kind of leads us into our next story. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, is it? I, it's interesting to me. <laughs> and, and I think based on some of the comments and Twitter feedback and stuff, it's interesting to a lot of people. In some ways, there's a lot of hate either side. So basically, I have been using uh, an Android phone since what did I decide, Ken? 2007? January 2010. 2010? Android did not exist in 2007. Okay, so when did the first iPhone came out in 09? No. no. 08. I, 07, I think. Uh, yeah, it was around there. And Android came out after iOS? You used after, Palm oh, OS yeah. in the middle. Right, so I had the 3G, the iPhone 3G, and then I used Palm Pre which was a damn good phone. I know Sebastian is listening, and it was a damn good phone. Yeah. Palm OS stuff was nice. It was, the first gen was 2007, second gen was 2008, third G was 2008. Okay. You went from the 3G to the Palm Pre. Yeah. And then, and then I went to, to the HTC Evo 4G. Yeah. Is that the first Y-Max. one? Y-Max. Y-Max. Yeah. Phone. And so basically <laughs> since that time, I had been exclusively on Android. Uh, as we move forward into this mobile world of testing, evaluation, all that type of stuff. It had been recommended to me strongly by certain people that, hey, you know what? You, it's really hard for you to be uh, taken seriously if you're not using the, the biggest player in the game. If you're not using it, but if you're at least testing it and giving it a fair shake, right? People who only look at one side are, are generally looked down upon. So I thought, okay, fine. I'll take that challenge. And I bought an iPhone 6S. Um, Times two. Well, I actually ordered a 6S Plus first because I thought that's what I wanted, but then it was a. Uh, it said it was going to be two or three weeks later. Yeah. It only showed up three days later, but that's how that works. So I ordered a 6, 6S um, and decided, okay, I'm going to switch my SIM over. I'm going to make this my only phone for the next 30 days. I'm going to force myself to move from the Android ecosystem over to the iOS ecosystem and see what it's like. Mm-hmm. What do I like? What do I not like? Uh, how, is the, how is the transition? Uh, and then how is it? Uh, how much do I lose from the lack of openness in iOS versus how much do I gain from the security, security the- or kind of like the ease of use, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I've been doing. I, I've been using this as my only phone since, I guess, what? It came out on September like 25th. Friday. A week ago, right? Yeah, so a week ago. It came out last oh, Friday, okay. less than a week ago. It's been five days. Yeah. Um, and so far, so good. And, and, and what we're doing is I'm kind of – so I, I wrote up one the night before the phone arrived. I said, okay, we're going to have this series, the, uh, the Android to iPhone day zero, what to expect. And, we, and I talked about, okay, here's why I'm doing it. And I just kind of explained what that is and, um, you know, questions both serious and, and silly like how much am i going to miss having quick charge capability that's something that these don't officially have but they do seem to charge fairly quick um how many lightning cables am i gonna have to buy to replace all the locations i have micro usb cables <laughs> turns out the answer is quite a few uh, uh how do i access full resolutions now. of of pictures am i really gonna have to use itunes again all that type of uh, those types of things turns out you don't have to use itunes nope. uh which i'm eternally grateful for um 
so that was that was the the first one. I was like, okay, here here's the plan, and then I have one. Uh, blog, story, whatever you want to call it up that talks about my first initial experiences. Uh, and I'm going to run through kind of like here. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to get into this versus having people go read it, right? So the the unboxing, the opening, the getting it all started experience is very smooth. It's a little bit longer than I expected it to be. It asks you a lot of questions. Yeah, because they want you, you to set, set up, up all the new stuff for your account. Which they want you to added. set up your Touch ID. They want you to set up Siri. They want you to set up uh, – what else was it, Ken? They had um, – they basically wizard iCloud, iCloud backups, yeah. um, you know, all that type I, of stuff. iTunes? I mean, you, you go, set up iTunes. You, you no, go back to like no. you go back to like the three G. There was no wizard. There was just it just you turned it off. You're just, just using your phone, you into right? The phone. Yeah. But but now you know there's iCloud set up. If it's a if, it, if it, for you, you didn't even have an iCloud account or anything like that. Or you did? He has iPads. I have iPads. Oh, that's true. So I iPads. had I had an Apple account. But I mean, you know, when you yeah. walk into it and you don't have any of that stuff, you have to like set all those things up, right? You're, you know, um, the so I will say what, there was like a lot of like discussion about the fact that Apple released an Android app just a few days before the release it was called Move to iOS. That's true. It was a great idea, right? It's an Android app that you install on your Android phone and then. When you get your new iOS device, they communicate and they it copies all your data over, it copies your contacts over to mm-hmm. your new iPhone, it copies your pictures, even your messages, your SMS messages, uh, all your email accounts, all that stuff get copied over. Good. Uh, I will, I can definitively say now that that doesn't work. It didn't work for both. It didn't work for either phone. Mm. I tried it on this phone on day one, and it got like I tried it like ten times, and it kept Just failing. Yeah. and it started on this a couple of times, but halfway through stopped. Less than halfway, nine percent of the way hmm. through stopped. So maybe some people have had success with it. You can see, like the idea of it is really cool. Yeah. It creates, <clears throat> excuse me, an ad hoc network, Wi-Fi network, so they communicate that way. Yeah. Um, just as you can imagine, if you have like thirty gigs of stuff you're copying over, it would that take might a be while. what's that might be what's doing it. Yeah, you know. but it should still yeah. it should still work. No, right? I agree. Yeah, it it's very unApple like to do that. Also, I find it funny that in the Android Play Store. The reviews for that app are just are like all one star, for all from people who have never used the app, all from people who are just oh. like, I can't believe that Apple would put an app in here, blah blah blah, all that stuff. Oh, um, I'd say my experiences with Touch ID are awesome. Yeah, so especially far. on the new ones, it seems to like it's super fast instantly, uh, and not having to use your password to install apps. Because yeah. like my my Apple password is like fifteen characters long or something like that. Yeah. I can use my fingerprint to log into LastPass. Mm-hmm. Which was my biggest complaint about LastPass on Android mm-hmm. was every time I wanted to use it, it had timed out, and you have to use your, you know, put your password in. If you save your password in the LastPass, it kind of totally defeats the purpose mm-hmm. of the security of it. So I was like, okay, but now I can use the fingerprint, and it just works. That is so cool. It just happened. Like it just. Yeah, if it, it actually is too fast. It's, it's almost too fast. That was actually, Ken's comment. Because yeah. that's it's Ken's and mine. I don't have that model, but like just seeing like. Him do it, and I'm triggering. I can totally relate. Like, there's plenty of times where I just want to see the home screen I take and it just out of check my phone it. Accidentally, and, and I pocket and it's yeah, and out. I just like tap, you know, like the yeah. the home button to, to to wake up the screen. Well, you almost can't do that at all without unlocking the phone. So right. you just miss your notifications. It just blows right past them. I, I don't. I don't want to spend too much more time on this because, uh, like, I think you should go if if you're interested in this topic. If you are one of those people who was like me, very much a diehard diehard Android person. Who thought everything? Here's the secret. Who said that everything Apple did was the worst, mm-hmm. but often thought eh, they're doing some pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish Android had fixed this, right? Like the fact that 
iOS or iOS nine is kind of universal, right? And we don't have this fragmentation issue that you'd have in Android. Uh, That's that true. Google just came out with this brand new fingerprint technology on the Nexus five X and six P and it looks awesome, but like only those two phones are going to have access to it for how long. Yeah. And then how long is and, it going to take? The and who's going to take who's gonna make their app just to support the fingerprint reader on, right. you know, right. that versus what's on like all of the right. current shipping models. Right. Um, I, I would say so far I have been, um, pretty impressed with the experience there's some things that are really dumb uh like the yeah well, I, I really, you had on android here, here's don't. let me for the android fans that are probably hating me as they listen to this let me the, the two things that i i i don't like about this for sure are there's there's no widgets mm-hmm. right and that is the more dumb. i use this the more inter- the more useful i see widgets on android mm-hmm. right and also the lack of a dedicated back button yeah, is really disappointing as well. Like on Android, you have three dedicated buttons at the bottom, whether it be physical or digital, and it's back, home, and menu. Mm-hmm. And the back button always does what it says; it goes back. So if you if you're on Twitter and you click onto a link, like to a web page, yeah. it opens up a browser and you hit back, and it goes back to Twitter. That's how it should work. And they've some tried, apps do that well on this. They've tried to weave don't. that into iOS nine. That's that's recent. That what you're seeing in the upper left, where it's like back to whatever or back but to whatever. But the upper whatever. left, as I said on this, this it's, is a smaller version. The upper left is the wrong place to put that yeah, because it, be. it is the hardest thing to reach on this phone, period. Yep. Right? Regardless. And then if you have this one, it's it's impossible. Yeah. But they were kind of so, stuck. Like if you notice, it's really narrow. It's, like yeah, they it's had to super squeeze narrow. it because they had to do it without like blowing up all the GUIs of right. all the apps. I get it. Right. You know, they're it, kind of stuck with it, that. But, it's, but it, it's, it's the wrong way to do it, yeah. I think. Uh, I don't know what the solution is for them because I know they won't add another button. Right. Maybe triple tap is back. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. I don't know. I, I'm I just know. trying to think for them. Um, you triple know, finger force Camera works touch. well. Uh, <laughs> every, everything's, you know, what was, so that was, those were the two things that really stuck out to yeah. me. So, um, I mean, there's goods and bads on both sides. Yeah. You know, it's and, and like I said, I'm going to post more. Like I have another one I'm going to write tonight or tomorrow morning about what has happened in the last several days mm-hmm. for that. You know, my opinions on the whole the not being able to go back thing. Right. Um, actually, I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a sneak peek of some of the topics I'm going to cover here because uh, I've been keeping them in the notes file on this, which is oh, maybe Apple might accidentally come in and delete everything. Um, <laughs> It'll just select like, it. Integration yeah, with my one. Pebble Watch is. Much less useful Crappier than Android, on this yeah. than, it, than it was on Android. Um, new contact syncing was a pain in the butt, like syncing it back to Gmail. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, not really. How many times did I have to go back in and, like, it's, it's not, it doesn't make sense f- for you to have to, like, disable that iCloud contacts thing in order you didn't for. You your contacts on iCloud, so you disabled iCloud. Yeah. Right. Contacts. But I import all my contacts from Gmail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I go in to add a new contact. Mm hmm. And it doesn't ask me where I want to save that new contact to. Is there a default somewhere? You it defaults I, to iCloud. Oh, yeah. So crazy. I created one new contact since I've had this phone, and, and it, it didn't show up in my place. Gmail. Right? Yeah. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird because it was on iCloud. So you had to go figure out how to turn off. If you turn off contacts in iCloud, iCloud, then it, it kind of defaults to that. Um, hmm. But, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot more stuff to, to talk about here. This will be, like I said, it's at least a 30-day experiment. Right now, there, there is a default field for that, by the way, in the settings. Is for, there? For yeah, I thought there was for new contacts. You yeah. want the default account in on. settings? Where? What part? We don't talk mail about contacts. It's in there. <laughs> okay. Um, so it, it, right now, I'm leaning towards really liking it, and I, and I think the most impressive part for me, honestly, as a longtime Android user, is this has a 1700 milliamp hour battery, mm-hmm. and it's it lasts. It's got 35 percent battery left for me. I mean, you've had phones with pretty big batteries right the the droid turbo i used before this had 3000 milliamp hour battery yeah. and that was why i bought it 
what did that so go I'm like saying, a day or two for you or yeah. no it was a, it was a full day it was a full a little well, bit extra but so was that but right with the smaller battery. i think this will probably be in general less mm-hmm. what would be more curious is the droid turbo definitely got less battery life over time as application rot program uh, rot kind of like you know things are going on so i'll be curious to see if that happens with this too if i if i feel like because i also feel like i'm i'm doing the wrong thing because every once in a while a, a pop-up will show up and say hey uh dropbox has been using your location in the background that's yeah. fine do you Keep want that do you on. want to allow that and i go well yeah yeah i think so because like I want all the features of everything to work. But then I also am like, am I screwing up battery life? No, no, I I keep all that stuff on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty good about, like... The only thing I've seen... It's not like constantly keeping your GPS radio on or anything. It's it's a smart API that does power saving things. The only only thing I've seen, like, location-wise, that will chew through a battery worse than, like, just regular, just having stuff use it... Is the Moves app? If you have it set to like, there's another setting that's like higher resolution. Is or that something. like? That's a it's like a tracker. Track like walk like pedometer walking, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there was a setting that I think used to be the default that was like get r- much more detail as opposed to pulling it out of the gotcha know, whatever the other chip is. Yeah. You know, for the for the movement stuff. All right. But, well, anyway, that that's that is a ongoing series on PC Per that is called Android to iPhone. Uh, day three is the most recent one up there. I will have one with day five or six or whatever it's going to be titled up there sometime tomorrow. Um, so you can check that out. I will say them. It's an interesting, interesting experiment. The most impressive thing I've seen on iPhones regarding application rot, yep. or just having crap and like having to do like a blow everything away and start fresh at some point. Like my phone is on the same series like carried forward backup of all settings from the first iphone it is on the same install so to speak yeah. as far yeah, as yeah, like yeah. The so you're saying go. is that you're, you don't see any negative of that i have yeah. never had to blow it away cool. it is it has never like got to the point where i had to you know all right we need to move it. on uh we definitely definitely need to move on we are going to take a quick break here and thank today's podcast sponsor that's right this episode of pc perspective is brought to you by this is josh's new favorite uh word i believe zumper Zumper zumper.com i don't know about you if you know if you don't watch out (laughs) i'm gonna zump you Mm, i think that's i'm a a zumper i think that is a positive because if if you're going to zump me maybe that means you're going to help me find a new apartment or rental home in my area josh oh is that what that is is that well it is my wife's uh favorite hobby so I'm an expert at real estate. <laughs> if it's your wife's favorite hobby, you are clearly an expert. I agree. Um, so Zumper is revolutionizing the rental industry by making it easy to find and apply for your next rental home from your iPhone or Android device. Hey, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find a – who knew? Technology is amazing, right? Yeah. Um, uh, once you set up your custom filters, including how many bedrooms you want, the monthly price range, amenities, you can get real-time updates so you'll be the first to know when a new apartment hits the market. This is actually really cool stuff. Once you find your place, Zumper offers instant rental applications and Experian-powered credit checks, making the process super convenient and ensuring that you get to the front of the line when you apply. They have over 1 million listings across the U.S., so if it's up for rent, it's on Zumper. And uh, Ken and I, again, like we said last week, the week before whenever it was we validated this uh he did a check in his area and found a bunch of places you said it was like 20 or something uh, yeah, 30 or 40 30 or 40 yeah. kind of places for rent in the in the area of cincinnati that he lives and even in where i live which is a very suburban yeah. you know area there were 10 hmm. places that showed up homes for rent 
This is with like your search criteria you put in. Or I just, just typed like, in four one zero four two, put in the zip code, and it's like, what's here? Like, give them my address, and it, and it gave me some some listings here. And obviously, if you live in a you know a, a more suburban area, yeah, right, um, that doesn't have everything's going to change, right? Uh, but with over a million listings, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and, and this is, I think, one of the big. I don't know. It, it seems really cool for me. I, I am not currently a renter, right? Yeah. So it, it doesn't directly affect me, but I know there are tons of people that are. Is it good about showing you like pictures of the place yep. and crap like that? Yep. And, it it right. honestly looks a lot like um, real estate like real estate listing, like MLS listing. Like you get a lot of yeah, MLS. you get a lot of detail about the space and the and the and the unit, yeah. and, and and it helps you kind of run down uh, maybe some different options without having to go look at everything first, the, the, right? The key to that stuff looking is... looking for ads in a paper, whoever yeah. the hell does that still, I guess. The key to that stuff is just making the search elegant. Yep. Right. It does like that. It has... stuff down And elegant, I love the idea right? that like you put you can put in your criteria and it, it keeps track of it and says, hey, we just found one. Like, one went up for rent. Oh. Here's here's a notice. That's and cool. like they say, like, um, that the, they'll... Uh, uh, Get real-time updates, so you will be one of the first to know about the new apartment hitting the market. Which is, especially if you live in a place like San Francisco, oh yeah, where uh, housing is maybe in a crisis, uh, that would be really interesting That's and true. good information to have to get started and to find your new home. Go to zumper.com/pcp. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I didn't not pick the- to be confused <laughs> with Zombocom. Zombocom. Zumper. That's Z Z U M. Zombocom. Z U M P E R dot com slash PCP. Zumper dot com slash PCP. Zumper, make your move. We thank Zumper for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. And we apologize that it happened so late in the show because of Josh's just ongoing discussion about the Apple products. <sighs> Ad nauseum. Well, welcome to Applecom. <laughs> the infinite is possible at Applecom. All right, it's running late. Alan, I'll do this quick. The Intel P, oh, let's see, Intel DC P3608 series. It's uh-huh. a 1.6 terabyte uh-huh. NVMe PCIe SSD, yep. high density enterprise storage. Um, it looks very similar to the enterprise storage that we've seen before. So, like one of these, those oh, are can. P3700 put it back, put it back. And it's P3700. like, uh, so there's a, pair of P3700s this is a 3608. So each half of this is a little bit slower than a 3700 series, right? Okay. Cuz this is 30 that's based on 3600 series which are slightly derated. Okay. Know, a little yep. bit slower, yep. right? Uh but there's two of them. No, right? that's one. He, he has one. No, this is clearly there's one. There's only one in your hand, but there's two logical devices what? in there. You can't do that. And there's a PLX chip and two 18 channel controllers. And all that crammed into one. Is this SSD SLI? Yeah. P3600 by two? Uh, it, it is. It is. So the Where's challenge, the bridge? Where's the bridge? It's, it's under Where's the, the bridge thing? It's actually... No, no. The one where I have the cable, the connect. Oh, the, 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 no, no. It doesn't, it doesn't one work. The other. Oh. It's an external That's one. It's the all-in-one card SLI, right? Where's the DVI it's like, output? It's, no, no, no. What you are we talking about again? They had to do an FPGA to connect to the other one. They used a PLX chip. No, he's talking about oh, about my SLI. He's talking about old anyway, stuff. Oh, sorry, old SLI. Crossfire. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So no. this is a this is essentially like say you had the Radeon R nine two ninety five X two. Yep. It's two two ninety X GPUs on the same PCB with the PLX chip between uh-huh. them, uh-huh. kind of na- uh, negotiating the PCI Express interface. Yep. But for those, you lose half of your bandwidth for each GPU. Yeah. Because you're still in a by sixteen slot, right? Sure. Well, yep. these were only by four. 
cards. Okay. And that is a buy eight card. Oh, I see. So, okay, okay. So, right? if you actually look at the physical PCI Express connectors, yeah. it's hard to see. So this this is actually it's it's a larger. Yep. Okay. So you're not really losing okay. anything like available you, bandwidth what, to the yeah, system. Yeah, as far as bandwidth, right? You're just doubling the bandwidth. You're doubling the number of lanes. And the reason I did that is because you have you know people in enterprise trying to fill racks full of these guys, and each one is only using you know four lanes. It's kind of wasteful, right? It's like use more lanes, more speed. We need more speed. We need more capacity, right? right. Okay. So that's why this thing was born. And uh, as far as specs, the specs is basically double of everything, pretty so much. So I'm looking at this table. This 1.62, 1.6 terabyte model is uh-huh. rated at five gigabytes per second read. Yep. And two gigabytes per second write. Yep. That's a lot. So. And so uh, clearly, you're you're essentially doubling the performance yep. of Eight, the of the P3600. 850,000 IOPS. So what's the magic to make that work, right? It shows up in the system as two physical SSDs. If you just plug that into a PC... It is no different than as if you had two of the You're just the older compressing style. it into less physical space. Yes. So what are your options at that point? You're, the same options you would have had if you had a pair of 800 gig, say, P3700s in that same system before. So you the options access, are still the same. access them independently. So, yes, you access them independently. This, the, the assumption is that you know software... That's doing those types of enterprise things don't necessarily need one volume. Yep, you can point them to multiple very fast volumes. Okay. Just get like give it a pool full of storage, even if it's segmented, it doesn't really matter. Um, so, in that case, stuff like databases can be pointed to you know multiple of these stuff like a VMware server can be pointed to multiple storage pools. If, oh, okay. If they're doing VMs, right? Right. Um, so that that's fine. It's just. Just something you need to consider, like during the build. Like, okay, it's, it needs to be segmented because there's only so much on each unit. Um, these, there, Intel did re- introduce an RSTE, like an enterprise RST version that will raid these now in Windows. Drives, in Windows, yep. Uh, it's not like the Z170 stuff where it's bootable and everything else. It's just like different market. It's Makes different sense. market. That's fine. Um, and we did some testing on it. The short of that is. You need to throw more CPU at it if you're going to use that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's probably just more economical just to point your database at them individually than try to have one huge file and have a software layer try to raid together right. things that are doing almost a million IOPS. Right. <laughs> um, so what was what was, what was the result when you raided everything on that desk? Uh, so yeah, I, we actually raided everything, and it easily went over 10 gig per second. And <laughs> And it hit like yeah. a couple of million IOPS, and yeah. the, so it was actually the same kind of results we got when we tested the four uh, SSD 750s. Actually, we tested five, but we can only get four to negotiate properly in that one system when we did raid. Right, right. With the um, when we tried right. like Windows yeah. Software raid, and that was crap. And then we tried some other stuff, and that Weird. was kind of crap. Right. Um, but at, but you know, talking to them individually, you can go really fast and have you know relatively low overhead. Um, anyway, so. That's what it looks like. Uh, when we did our testing, uh, we introduced new enterprise testing with this. Yeah, so um, that's why I didn't really want to talk about it at all. I could talk about the rating and all that stuff. Is there a – so we, we, first I want to say this is not a consumer device. Nope. How much is this? 
that's odd. Um, <laughs> Duh. You know, it's, if you need to, ask, it's like around two a gig. It. It's it's a little bit more. Two dollars a gig. Yeah, so we're like talking thirty two hundred, three thousand bucks. Two twenty a gig. That one is thirty five hundred bucks. Thirty five hundred dollars. So this is not something we would ever say. Hey, go build a gaming PC and put this in there. No, right, no, this don't. Is definitely for fact, enterprise stuff. I, I've never been able to hold something in my hand those thirty five hundred bucks that easily. Yeah, and they make something. I can send you a couple Xeon processors. <laughs> so they, they make they make a four no, terabyte model. They make a four terabyte model in the same footprint for eighty eight hundred dollars. Okay, so don't buy that one either. Um, um, so I mean, so for the audience that this is targeted at, yeah, right. We had you introduced some kind of some some new testing. Methods. Yes. So before anybody starts complaining that hey, why did where's my PC mark or where's my why didn't you raid them together for this first review and give me just a drive letter and run games off of it and, right you know try to boot off of it and stuff like that that's totally not what this is for and if you're spending that much money did you have an ASSD benchmark in no no oh, damn it. yeah um, crystal. Crystal disk mark. Crystal no. disk. Make no. sure you say that one. Make sure you use the newer version that's for NVMe <laughs> devices. Right? <laughs> because, yeah. No. Um, so, any of those benchmarks, you got to throw them out the freaking window here. Because there's an enterprise SSD. It's rated. Its rating assumes you're accessing the whole drive. Mm-hmm. You're beating the crap out of the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Which is actually something that I have resisted for forever so far because right. we haven't done it like there's a lot of sites out there on consumer drives they'll do 4k random to the whole drive for like you know hours and publish that result like nobody in their system is writing 4k random sure. in their windows install right? Right. like that's just not practical enterprise however you're taking a database and just pointing it at this thing and that's all it's doing there's no os on it there's just data and it's just being like you know it's like transaction processing it's like people's bank stuff or it's just database is getting hammered, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to spend this much on this fast of storage unless you're going to beat the crap out of it. And you're going to sure. beat the crap out of all of it. So, <laughs> what are we talking about now? Yes. I don't. <laughs> SSDs, SSDs, SSDs. Okay. So, yes. I'm getting uncomfortable. So what, you do, <laughs> so, what you do is all of these workloads we're doing enterprise is it is touching the whole drive simultaneously, right? 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. That's just for Josh. <laughs> Okay. The, so the length and the girth of the, the drive? The length and yes. the girth, all of it, it's the drive oh. is just airtight. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> next, um, we're doing the different workloads that the drives are rated for, which corresponds with different types of database and OLTP and like even sequential. So you have 4K random, you have 8K random, you have 128K sequential. Okay, those are the three big workloads that's like covers 99% of anything that's database an enterprise and stuff. workload, right? Right. Um, so those results should cover pretty much anybody that comes to us and wants to know, hey, I want to use this drive for X. You know, they're going to okay. look this up. Okay, so to, so to walk you through briefly how to get through these Which things. Which graph am I looking at? Uh, I'm looking at the second one. On okay, well I, would, well, I would start with the first one. Damn it. So let me do this before, so before we go any further. I want, to, I, want to, I want to ask you this. We need to do a separate discussion video on this. We're going to this. do a video and add this to it. Like, yeah. let's talk about what all this means mm-hmm. so don't feel like we need to do all of it here right, because right. of no, time no, no. constraints but the short okay. version is you've got your workload, look at the first graph here right which yeah. one are you looking at the first one on which page 4k uh, yes 4k 100 percent random so, page 4k and then you look at this first so graph. all this is one drive and it's, it's just one each drive. line represents different q depths yes gotcha so at scaling up q depths i am as you go across that graph, it's different percent read and write. Gotcha. 
So if you got a database, you know it's 70-30, you'll look at 70% on there, and then you can follow that line straight up and see, you know, Q depth versus speed of the drive and IOPS of the drive, right? Okay. IOPS is on the left, speed's on the right. All right. Like throughput. Okay. Now, if you scroll down to the next chart, uh, that one is taking all of that data. No oh, Jesus. And it's adding in latency. <laughs> it's a tesseract. I know, basically it is. <laughs> It takes all of that data, it adds in latency, and it kind of like rotates the data at the same time that it includes mm-hmm. the latency. Mm-hmm. So now the latency is on the bottom. Okay. Okay. And the percents, read and write, are the different colors of the lines. Okay. Okay. So the idea is, say you're looking for your 70-30 again. Yep. Okay. So that's dark red. Dark red. Got it. All right. So you got a dark red line. Actually, you might want to go to the zoomed in version if you want to. Oh, okay. Like, I can actually, rather than yeah. just pinch zoom, I can actually see a zoomed version. There is a zoomed in version of the chart. The this this chart down. is to show you the maximums. Okay. Right? All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. This one looks a little easier. And then the next one, even though it looks kind of like a New York subway map. Uh, so if you look at the dark red line on there. Yep. I see and, it. You know, and you know that your workload is like, say, 80,000 IOPS is what your workload is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. You find 80,000 on the left, mm-hmm. you follow it across, it intersects the dark red line at around 0.15 milliseconds? Milliseconds of okay. latency. Yeah. So that's what you should expect for any, an average, for any individual transaction's latency on at their specifications. Yep. And then you'll know that your Q-depth will sit somewhere between 8 and 16 because they're marked off on there as well like okay. that's where the q depth would climb to and q depth is important because maybe your application only scales to a certain q depth actually would hit a limit before something else right so you need that data okay. right okay so so these charts if you're just like a pc gamer and you're looking at these and you gloss over don't feel bad they're not for you how many dimensions is that graph there are four dimensions on that graph. <laughs> <laughs> how did i want to fit four dimensions onto like a i said it's a test rack <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I tried a whole bunch of different things and like the whole 3d bar thing with layers of bars, just, you can't actually read any of the numbers off of that. If you want to, people need to know what the numbers are. So this is the only way to get them all onto like a chart, right? It's a lot to look at, but it's there. So that's what all that stuff's for. So we have one of those for four and eight and 128 K sequential. Yep. And we're going to use those things moving forward for any time there's an enterprise review. SATA, so I, I, wanna, I think I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. All right. And if you have more interest in that, go read the article. And then if you have more interest in that, we will have sometime, maybe let's do that tomorrow or Friday or something yes. like that, where we sit down and record and we have a discussion about it. Uh, maybe we figure out if we can get our glass yep. dry board to well, discuss. Like walk through a few examples here. of if you're trying yeah. to look something up to, so you know how to use it. So maybe, maybe we'll try to do that. Uh, again, don't, I would say as a gamer, Yep. Don't invest in a four terabyte eighty seven hundred dollar SSD. Gaming. Well, then, how much did you say the one point six terabyte version was? Thirty five oh nine. That's how much I paid for my last car <laughs> with registration. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And the car didn't go as fast as the drive. No. Car. One of the oh, where'd it go? I tried to load. I, I, I can only like always on Ken's car. No, I'll leave it at that. All right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Crap. Here we go. <laughs> Moving on. Up. You guys reset. Ready? Moving on. The reset button. <laughs> uh, Logitech announced the G410 Atlas Spectrum TKL, which I am, uh, I will admit, I only recently discovered meant 10 keyless. By which, discovered, you meant Ken told you. Ken told me. Which also apparently is all one word 10 keyless. The less. 
10, 10 keyless, which basically means a keyboard without the numpad on the side. Okay. Right. So the idea is you have a keyboard that is smaller, lighter, more portable. Um, these are very popular in the gaming market, like, especially if you have small desk space. You want to have more room for the mouse, less room for the keyboard necessarily. Yeah, some people have those. Yeah. Like I am desks. personally pro- – I do a lot of typing into Excel, so number pads, very useful for me. Yeah. If you don't, you don't give a crap about Excel, congratulations, you're better off in life. Uh, and one of these keyboards might be uh, better suited. I, I, hear, I, hear, I hear Jeremy chuckle over there because he knows I'm right. Like, did oh, you yeah. just see the charts? If you don't, don't have to deal with Excel. If you've accepted Excel into your life, you've made a horrible, horrible mistake. When, Ken, or when Alan was making those 4K uh, random four graphs, four-dimensional graphs, he had an Excel sheet open at full screen on a 4K monitor. And a 40-inch 4K screen. Right, and trying to – and it's funny when you see a copy and paste and of I, data into it. I still it. had to scroll – <laughs> yeah, it was it was not great. Just bad. So the G410 Atlas Spectrum 10 keyless is kind of it's using the Romer G switches, the same mechanical switches that they use in the G910, uh, but it has very different keycaps. Instead of um, I want to say it has like a thinner plastic keycap with a traditional concave. It's a dish dish form to it, as opposed to the the G910 had kind of the the faceted oh, yeah. style keycaps. Yeah, um, it was edgy. Yeah, which I, I actually I kind of liked. I don't think I liked them for a whole bunch of like uh, for for writing, typing, essays, that type of stuff. But for gaming, kind of made sense. You can always find the middle of the key. You don't talk about mispressing off to the left, right, or whatever. Yeah, the edges of it was kind of interesting. Slip off the keys, but easily. this kind of goes in the more traditional route. Uh, it's still it has the 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 Spectrum name on it, so it's full RGB compatible. Uses their software for uh, you know color control and all that stuff. Sync it through headphones and mice and. Other keyboards, I guess. If you had other keyboards attached, you could do that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, it has one of those fancy dedicated buttons to turn off of the Windows keyboards. keys. The Windows key, <laughs> I guess I should say. Um, and yeah, so that's going to be for and sale. It's got that ARC's control dock again. Yes. Except it's, this one's removable. Yeah, which I actually think is kind of cool, right? So the ARC's yeah. control dock on the G910 just kind of like slid out a little bit from the top. Yeah. And it was a place for you to like set your phone or your tablet mm-hmm. on that keyboard. And you could either use it just so you had quick access to your phone or, or, or tablet, or you could use one of their apps um, to monitor system information like yeah. uh, speeds and feeds and memory usage and CPU clock speed. Um, or you could implement uh, – what was the – if you use Logitech gaming software, they, some games would have... You do the readout thing? Yeah, we do readouts on yeah. it. The one on this one, as Jeremy's pointing out, actually comes out completely, right? And then you can kind of put it anywhere on your desk. Mm-hmm. It's like a stand. Yeah. yeah. It's like a device But it stand. slides into the keyboard for you to like put it back, yeah. take store the keyboard it. with you, store it if you're not using it so it's not taking up space. It's, it's pretty for, nice. like gamers that go to LANs and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, $129, available it, in early October. Is the cord detachable on the this cord, thing? The cord... Is not. Mm. I want to say it's not. I'm. Let me no. look at the picture. It does not look detached. Are there many yeah. keyboards that it is? Ten keyless is usually are. It's tend oh. to be. Yeah. Um, the $129 price tag is steep, but uh, I think I looked up the Corsair Vengeance ten keyless RGB is 149. So it's there. It's in the right range. It's so they're both like there. cherry switches and stuff. And so this whatever. one is Romer G, which is their it's own the same kind of uh, same effect. It's a clone of. No, cherry, it's right? not really. It's different. No, it's yeah. it's a different. Key switch. They didn't Different like totally. copy the cherry. Yeah, key switches. they they had because they, they were selling different. the G910 before that. Hmm. But I mean, is the end result the same? These keys are from the street. They they oh. feel different. Yeah, they, they, they definitely feel different. Hmm. Um, 
They're, they're and, and more and I will say, red, I think, than anything else. Okay, closest proximity. Yeah, they, yeah. Don't, they don't click at the bottom, right? They do not. Okay, so, yeah, so that's like red. I will say I've, I've had one of these for a few days. I've been using it. Uh, I've been writing the last couple of articles on it. And I, I, I like the keyboard a lot. It sounds very different than the G910. If you use a G910, uh, the other Logitech Roamer G, it sounds very different. And the difference is because uh, I found out the G910 has a metal backplate on okay, it. Yeah. This one has a plastic backplate. It'll dampen more. Right. right. So the metal dampens a lot more. The, oh, it, it, it's dampen more. The the metal is damp dampening more okay. than the plastic. The plastic is there to make this keyboard lighter because it's supposed to be carried with you. So more it's loud. Whatever. It's 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 louder, but it's not louder than like cherry keyboards. Okay. Ken and I had a type off uh, at our <laughs> yeah at our. We determined that my that's exactly all I was thinking too. I could just see like Ken and then Ryan. My K seventy RGB with MX Reds is just about the same volume as his G four ten G four ten yeah with or not Topre. It's interesting. I'll do another write up in a little bit with a video, kind of comparing the nine ten and four ten because I think I think it's a it's an interesting product. Um, and I'm also only going to briefly talk about this because I'm going to talk more about it tomorrow. Uh, NVIDIA announced GeForce Now. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is the evolution of NVIDIA Grid, yep. which is online stream, streaming gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be. It kind of like, sounds like 3D Now. It kind of sounds like not. PlayStation Now, nope. which is a streaming gaming service from PlayStation, hmm. uh, which is odd. Uh, hmm. <laughs> so this will launch officially on October 1st. So if you're watching it live tomorrow, if you're watching it recorded now, uh, $7.99 a month. Uh, and it tri- they say it differentiates itself by having support for 1080p 60fps streaming. You have to have a 50 megabit connection to support that. Okay. Right. Uh, affordability, $7.99 a month. Uh, you get a combination of kind of this 60-game uh, roster of free games. And then you have these purchase and play games, which you pay – full price for essentially but you can stream them and they will often more times than not give you a steam key steam key or gog key or something like that Some a key one so you can get a copy to download it on a local pc if you want to so that's interesting it's not bad uh they claim it's uh the speed of access is something there right like so uh all games will load up in about 30 seconds as opposed to they say because well, it's on a server right, right. It's like, well they're like yeah. okay if you want to play the witcher 3 it takes you this long to download it from steam or you can start it playing in 30 seconds on GeForce Now. Mm-hmm. No, okay. Sure. I mean, it's, but it's, it's a true, one-time but... thing versus a... Correct. You know. Started okay. 30 seconds every time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the list of games is kind of interesting. So if you look on the right here, you'll see... Uh, let me zoom in a little bit. There we go. Uh, the purchase and play games include a total of seven. Metro 2033, Metro Last Light, Resident Evil Revelations 2, Saints Row 4, Saints Row Gat Out of Hell, which is an expansion. Is it an expansion for 4? I think it was Apparently. standalone. Standalone 2. Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, and Trine 3, Artifacts of Power. Mm-hmm. Only one of those games would I consider new enough and AAA enough for me to, like... Call it new. Yeah, Witcher 3, obviously, being on that list. If you look at the included games, though, you've got a, you got a lot of them there. you got Alan Wakes, you got Batmans, you got Borderlands. MX versus ATV Reflex. Yeah. <laughs> Gas Gessler's Extreme. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Grid 2, Grid Autosport, a bunch of Lego games, great for the kids. Um, Psychonauts. Gianna Sisters, Twisted Dreams. Psychonauts is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Saints Row 3, Street Fighter Across Tekken, uh, The Walking Dead Season 1, All Street Fighter 4. So there's, there's 60 games on that list, and they're pretty good. So, right. so but all of the stuff know. still applies to the whole like streaming online, right? Like they still only have like three data centers. 
Right. Uh, I don't know how many. Dead, I think they're up to four now. I think they might have okay. added a fourth. So, so it, here's this table. I'll just point out. So here's the thing: is they they made the announcement today? Yes. Okay. Uh, and tomorrow, I'm allowed to tell you about my review oh. of it, All right. which is stupid, but whatever. Um, I, I can tell you now that it doesn't solve the physics problem of streaming. Yeah, that's gaming. that's what I mean. Like, there's, you're still a length from the servers. It, you know, we have. A gigabit internet connection and a 29 millisecond ping to the GeForce Now server. Okay. That seems fairly optimal to me. Yeah, but it's still 29 milliseconds you're waiting for a turnaround. Round trip. Plus, right. yeah, 29 you have to, there, 29 You have to back. double it. Yeah. So there, there's going to be instances where it's not ideal. And, and I'll, if, you, if you go to the website tomorrow, there will be another article up that will talk about you know, which games work, which games don't work in that case. Yeah. Um, what it was like. Whether I think the value of 79 a month is, is, is really worth it. Uh, I will say the biggest drawback to it, and this was part of the announcement, is that it will only play on NVIDIA Shield devices right now. So you have to have a Shield Android TV or a Shield tablet. I okay. don't think the Shield Portable works with it. Maybe it does. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. You don't think so? I mean, it probably needs the hardware. Well, it's only doing decode. It's only doing video, video decode on this well, side. Yeah. Um, but so that drastically limits its audience. Yeah. The number of people who have a Shield tablet or a Shield TV is is minimal. At best. So I don't know if they think they're going to push people to buy those devices with this service. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the wrong direction. I think you need to try to make this service independently successful by offering it to PC gamers. It could be something about they're gating it for a specific reason to like, hey, we, we let's, let's send it to a wide audience first. Yeah. Or a small audience first before we send it to a wide yeah, audience. Baby steps. Baby yeah. steps. But I feel like they've been going so long with this grid beta. Yeah. Yeah. That they took a lot of baby steps. Like they've walked many miles That's, of baby steps. That was steps. a very drawn out baby step. Yeah. On the grid. But though. like I said, more tomorrow uh, and more on next week's show. Uh, okay. <laughs> you sound excited. Jeremy, you know anything about Quick Charge 3.0? Maybe uh, uh, LTE? Well, Quick Snapdragons? I don't know. <laughs> I, I know that Sebastian likes living dangerously now. Oh, really? Oh, he's quite happy to let his phone go down to like 0.1% charge and then just slap this thing on it. <laughs> Boom, it's back. Instant. Huh. Yeah, almost. So, so what do we know about Quick Charge 3.0? I, I, I know a little bit about it, but I don't know. It's, it's a it's little bit faster. So, so Quick Charge, for those who don't know, it is the ability <laughs> to charge your phone or device quickly. faster, quickly, you might say. At a higher voltage. Um, than the standard oh, yeah, 3.6 to commands. 20. Yep. Oh really? Up to twenty? Yeah, it'll it'll see. Ask the phone. Okay, are you okay? Are you on fire yet? Are you on fire yet? Are you okay? I'll back it off a little bit. <laughs> only a little bit of fire, please. Yeah, only just a wee bit. Yeah, twenty volts, huh? Yeah, up to twenty volts. That's so, so that's interesting. Mo- the only chargers I've seen go up to twelve. Twelve volts, yeah. one point five amps. That's all. Quick charge two point. Twenty volts is like a laptop power supply mm-hmm. voltage. It's a little more. Yeah, yeah. It's usually nineteen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't say the amperage, but still, I, so, it's going to be nasty. Yeah, my, my understanding with Quick Charge 3 is it's less about improving uh, charge time improvements mm-hmm. it's just more versus power. Quick Charge 2.0. No, it's more about um, doing Quick Charge in a way that is more intelligent so that it saves the life of the battery. Oh, yeah. okay. Not battery life, but the, like the, the, the length of time that the battery is good. So hmm. basically they're saying is they, they will charge heavier at certain ranges of the battery. Yep. Maybe it's temperature, maybe it's capacity, uh, and back off on others. It's a lower capacity you can get away with. They uh, still say, on rate. average, that they're charging 
10 to 20% faster on 3.0 than they did on 2.0. Okay. But they're doing it more intelligently to make it so that it doesn't kill batteries. Basically, it would be like you would get your first like 50 or 70% faster. Right. Is what it would As opposed to maybe like Quick Charge 2 now, maybe you get your first 90% and they just say, you know what, maybe that's too much. We need to, to yeah, back off yeah. on some of that. Like, so. The part where you damage it is like topping it off quickly. Like you don't want to top off. Get to that whole fire thing that Jeremy talked about. Yeah. And you can sing a song about it. This phone is on fire. <laughs> yeah. You could. You could. Uh, and, and I guess, Jeremy, if you need super fast LTE that nobody offers service for, Snapdragon 820 will support all of that going forward, the new X12 modem in here. It is true. Fastest LTE to like down lake speeds up to 600 megabits. <laughs> yep. If, if you can find someone that will serve you that fast. Nobody does. Literally no, no one ever. Uh, uh, Cat 13 on the uplink up to 150 megabits. Yep. Um, maybe more interesting, I think, than that is that this modem uh, does support tri-band Wi-Fi, 2.4 gigahertz, Mimo. 5 gigahertz, and 60 gigahertz for 802.11 AD. Y-gig. Y gig, yeah, in in yeah. intro intro room, yeah, high bandwidth. Because that stuff. ain't going very far. It's not going it's not. through like any walls. <laughs> Sheets of paper <laughs> yeah. at this point, right? Um, which is which I think is I think that's as interesting as anything else, right? It the is ability to set this down next to my laptop and have a gigabit connection wireless yeah. between them, I think would be would be really interesting. I would much rather sync that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and up to 4x4 MIMO on one downlink LTE carrier. Okay, that's it. So, okay. LTEU, which is interesting. That's more of a... Um, it uses the, the 5 gigahertz band, and it's for unlicensed usage of LTE. So say you go to a stadium. Oh, for the little hot spot where they want to offer to like, um, the portable. Yes. Yeah. So you could do like streaming LTE video... You know, to yep. your phone device without using Wi-Fi, and it's a little bit more efficient that way. So, it's cool. This is uh, apparently the 820, the Snapdragon 820, and let's see. They, Qualcomm claims the wait a minute, the X12 modem is included in the Samsung Galaxy S7, apparently rumored, <laughs> and, uh, and around 30 other devices. <laughs> yep. So, so they're all available at your store locally. What's in that um, next year? Like right now. Yeah, just like the service. What's in that model of the new iPhone that's like better on AT and T or something? And I don't know who makes some... that. Is that a Qualcomm? Yeah, they modem? use Qualcomm modem. Yeah, but I don't is know that this one or something? I don't think so. It's this not, this no. was just kind of being okay, just kind of being one. announced. So. All right. So this is brand brand new. Yep. Uh, hey, what else is good news? Skylake. Apparently, you can buy it now. Finally, they it's launched like a month ago. That's what I read. That's oh. what Scott read here. Is uh, or Scott wrote here rather. That Skylake and Broadwell stock levels replenish. Both Newegg and Amazon have a few Core i7-6700Ks that are available for purchase. Let's make, let me click let's on this Newegg here yeah, in real look. time let's and see. I actually saw them in stock a few days ago as well. Maybe I didn't... Did I hey, even Patrick bought one. I, you. I saw them in person at Micro Center. That's right. Oh, yeah, they were on the, yeah. on Amazon. What about on Newegg? How much are they on Newegg? Uh, it's a little old and a little bit slow. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. Um... So, oh, connection timed out. Way to go. Mm-hmm. New egg. What's wrong yeah, with you? Everyone's buying 6700K. <laughs> uh, you know, this is good. Like, we, I mean, we needed this, right? 
Think of how Asus and Gigabyte and MSI must feel. They made all these Z170 motherboards, and nobody, and like, could, buy nobody could buy the processor for it. Uh, so this this is a good sign. I bet Intel sold a larger than normal amount of i5s. I- I'm curious to That's know true. what that company was that gobbled up their whole stock right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. I just, well, well, so we saw, what was it? We saw like desktop Core i7-6700Ks in some gaming notebooks. Yeah. yeah. So but that's not going to gobble is, up like their whole... Cleveland's not doing that much volume. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> that's true. Gaming laptops are all over the place. Uh, Jeremy, anything to say about either the Asus or the ASRock Z170 Mini ITX motherboards? Uh, these are, if you're a small form factor gamer, pretty sweet boards. And in a way, it's almost up to you which one you prefer. Uh, they've got very distinct looks, uh, but overall, they're fairly similar. They're, of course, going to be on the Skylake platform. They've got uh, decent uh, VRMs. Um, excuse me. Each of them comes with uh, USB Wi-Fi, or sorry, Wi-Fi AC. Uh, both of them have an M.2 slot on the underboard, or on the other underside of the motherboard, mm-hmm. if you were looking to upgrade to an M.2. Uh, they've both got uh, sex ports on them, if you go <laughs> that way. To get that in. Yeah. I have to. The ASRock is branded for Fatality, um, who amazingly is still actually selling branded stuff because uh, I don't think he really plays much anymore as Wendell. Uh, I don't know what his gaming yeah. scenarios are it's right now. League of Legends. Oh, is it? Okay. So he this one will come with the, uh, the Fatality mouse port, which we've seen on a couple of other ones. It allows mm-hmm. you to adjust the polling rate from 1 hertz up to 1,000 hertz. I want my mouse at one. one hertz. I, I want my mouse at one. Yeah, it's, I'm just that awful. Uh, as, as of course, the other one man. does not. They both come with uh, USB 3.1, one Type A connector, and one Type C connector, nice. which is nice to start to see coming out. And uh, one nice thing about the Asus that uh, ASRock didn't do is it's got the multi user MIMO uh, enabled radios on it mm. so if, if you're looking that's cool. to use this as a little small server this is probably the way to go if you're looking for the gamer the as rock might be your better choice huh. but they are very very similar boards they look very different so yeah. in a way it's going to be your uh personal preference as to what they look at we actually we have the the msi one what's the model number of that ken the z 170 oh, i pro yeah. gaming pro, pro ac gaming pro ac that's one we're using for some mini itx builds around these parts, uh, and they're, it's, it, they're pretty awesome products, yep. right? They put a lot of stuff in that. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're building really tiny-ass systems that have Mini-ITX, Skylake, and R9 Nanos in them. And they get warm, but they're pretty awesome. But in if terms you throw them into a lake, no bubbles would come out. <laughs> they make That's t- true. They make yeah. toast. Yeah, they're as airtight as they get. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. And before I forget, the one nice thing about the ASRock, it's got two HDMI ports that do 4K at 60 hertz. That's really awesome. Yes, I don't know why you need it to, really is. But that's awesome. Oh, it's not many that can do that right now. Yeah. True. That's impressive because they have to have a display converter somewhere on that boards. tiny little board. <laughs> yeah. That's right, because they're converting from DP yeah. to I don't know if there's, know if there's one IC that can do two now or if they have to, yeah, I guess have to shove two of those on there. Huh. All right. Uh, it's. <clears throat> maybe a little bit late on the show uh, we cut a lot of stuff off so let's get into our hardware software picks of the week everybody my pick is uh, interesting 
based on the change of phones that I've had over the last five days. Uh, but this is a Tron Smart branded, which I've never heard of this brand until recently, but it has a lot of... And you bought it because of the name too, didn't you? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I bought it because of a terrific bundle deal that I found. But this is the Tron Smart uh, three-port wall charger. What's just interesting about this is it has a quick charge 2.0 port on it. The thing you don't need anymore. The thing I don't need anymore because I have an iPhone. <laughs> uh, now, it's possible that I may not like it and go get an S6 or something like that. You just you just never know. That's true. But So this is 20 bucks, I think. Let me see here. Oh, yeah. And you can see here, this is the, actually the yep. Qualcomm quick charge certification uh, that they put as one of the photos on uh, Amazon, which I think is actually pretty funny. Um, but for 20 bucks, you get it's three ports. Two of the ports do 2.4 amps, up to 2.4 amps each. Yep. And then the third one does quick charge. Okay. And uh, it's got the uh, uh, the plug into the walls, like the snap down kind, mm-hmm. so it like goes into a nice square. So if you put it in your bag, you don't have to worry about either those prongs scratching yep. up stuff in your bag or good for traveling. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty nice. And they actually I'm not seeing uh, anything as a prong scratching up your bag. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or the other thing is in your bag. <laughs> this company also has a variant for car chargers, which has <laughs> three two point four amp ports oh, and one and quick one charge, charge port. So you yeah. have a I have a car charger in my car it's got now. Four ports. It has four ports on it. Uh, which is maybe a little bit overkill for yeah. a Chevy. It's Volt. like a forty watt car charger. No, it's yeah. like fifty four <laughs> watts. Yeah. It's yeah, probably, it's like a 54 watt. You're gonna boil your cigarette lighter fuse with your charger. I mean, it's very possible. Um, but yeah, the reason why I find it funny that I, this is my pick. I ordered all this stuff in, and I literally got it in two days after I've got the <laughs> iPhone and decided I was only going to use the iPhone because the iPhones don't support any of the the quick but the, charge. But they technology. do two amps. They might do 2.4. Actually, I don't know. They do 2.0. our measurement device clearly doesn't work. But yeah, um, yeah, it's. Uh, they charge. They seem to charge quick. I don't have any complaints about it mm-hmm. in that regard. But that being said, for people who have Android compatible phones that use quick charge stuff, that's a pretty good deal. Uh, and because I know quick chargers used to be pretty damn expensive and mm-hmm. hard to find uh, at some point as well too. So let's move on down the list to Jeremy. What do you got? Back the damn BattleTech Kickstarter. The be- the more money you throw in, the better it'll be for me. <laughs> but. That's just a selfish little plug. Yep, okay. Man, I, I miss Mech Warrior <laughs> and Mech Commander. But uh, a long time ago, uh, one of our contributors put up a review on how to build yourself a Plex server. And many people liked it. Some people offered the, their own ideas on what to do with sure. it. And I found a little uh, tutorial on how to set yourself up with MB. So if you didn't quite like Plex and the way that it was set up, uh, you suddenly found yourself hating Windows because Windows 10 doesn't support your nice little Windows Media Center anymore. This is another one to think of. Uh, take a look at it. It is stupidly simple to set up. It's well, look at it, that user interface. Oh, isn't it gorgeous? <laughs> isn't it utterly yeah. gorgeous? Ooh, wget sudo. Isn't it exactly? Yep, persuading it's, it's that me language. to switch from Plex. But maybe, well, maybe hey, it's, it's like awesome. that test disk I had a couple of weeks yes. ago. Say that it's correctly. not pretty, but damn it. At least it, it has works. a nice web front end once you get it installed. That's yeah, fine. That's true. I, I can install it from command line. And it but. looks like, I can't tell from this, but are those kitty cats behind that on the left <laughs> side? Mm, <kitties>. Meow. <laughs> Something furry. Yeah. Ooh, whoa. I'm going <laughs> to go with kitty cats. Oh, it does live TV, which Bugs does not. Yes. Yes, it oh, does. Really? If that's you've a big got it set up right. Well, yeah. But it has that the was capability one of the to do it. through me. Yeah. Because right. I've got the Halpag or the Hopeg card that I can't use anymore 
thanks Microsoft <laughs> that just takes up space now. Huh. Yep. Weird. Weird. All right. Yeah, give it a shot. Josh. Josh. All right. So, you know, I've done this before, but it keeps evolving over time. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. What? You already used this one. Yes, but it has evolved and it's on sale. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Dirt evolved. It's, it's, if you like Pokemon, it's now in its next form. Not the final form, mine. They added Flying Finland as well as the other previous things that they did throughout the summer. Dirt Rally, 15% off. And uh, that's not Finland. That's that's Germany. But anyway, if you go back one, it's it's a totally new series of tracks that are quite long. No, that's Pike's Peak, but I still love you. Look, man, is it the first video? It's going to be the one with the uh, the fall colors. There you go. Okay. No, Flying fall. Finland. So, Finland, the other day, Finland, uh, Ryan, Finland. Uh, not Ryan. What? Finland, 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 the country where I'd most like to drive. Oh, maybe. <laughs> not too far from England and not too far yeah. from Japan or something like that. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, what's nice about this is that... Uh, um, our good friend Alan uh, posted a link to a video of some rally drivers going absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very, very fast through forested areas. And this is the area that they are, in fact, rallying through. Finland. The, wait, so, the video I posted was a actual rally driver. Exactly. Not in not, a game. Not, not me. Like actually not toying you. with death of him and his navigator. But that's Are there they, moose you have to avoid? It looks pretty in this video. I will not it, lie. It is. It is. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I've gotten many, many, many hours of enjoyment. And there are many hours to come because so, they continually add more stuff to this because it's still in early access. Can, um, is there any chance that they made it so I could turn around and drive <laughs> he's into still, the other He's still no. on there. <sighs> Burn it all down. When you start at the beginning of a rally stage, if you turn around and go the other way, there is nothing. Hey, you know what? Yeah, we did those loops for a while. Do you know the lead developer of, of Dirt Rally? Maybe I can get a Could you ask him for you. <laughs> what you do for Shirocco. people? Hey, could you put a green Shirocco? Yeah, lime green. In, and yeah. also allow it be the allow it to be the only car that can turn around on a loop track and go the wrong. Yes. Well, yes. If it turned around, it'd be in a puff of smoke from the. Yeah, it's yeah. not yeah. a TDI. It it's not. Test. It's Could not be. failing all the emissions yeah, it's not tests a here. Yeah. I mean, it's not a diesel. All right. Okay. All right, Alan. So I needed to extract this installer today, and I was looking around for something to extract something, and okay. I came across something that looks a heck of a lot cooler. Uh, this is like a plug-in kind of based extractor I, thing. I that definitely saw so that that logo in the left-hand corner that is apparently a foot. I definitely saw it as a sinking Titanic mm, when I first looked at no. it. So anyway, um, so this thing is just called Universal Extractor, and when you install it, it's like there's a directory full of plugins, and he's been just adding to it like over time. So if you scroll down like the bottom quarter or so has like a huge list of supported formats. So not only does it support like a bunch of installer packages, but it supports pretty much everything that's like a package of something that can be extracted. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. When you install utility like this, do you uninstall it when you're done? Uh, They have a portable version of this, and that's why. Oh, okay. Yeah. But there is also With all the stuff that you put in, like all the things you suggest for your 
picks of the week. They're usually incredibly useful utilities, but all I imagine is you have, have 40 of, of these <laughs> utilities installed on your system at any given time, and like when you right-click on a file, instead of there being like just, 11 it's options... Just just like, <laughs> that's why I have the 40-inch oh, 4K no. display. You're actually not far off. Yeah, no? there's a lot of that's stuff. why he has so many drives. Well, he has uh, DxO installed, so if he right-clicks, he sees like a gigantic thumbnail of an image. No, that's that's image. ACDC. That okay, doesn't. ACDC. The other oh, image God, yeah. that I have... There's one I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> I, I have been so diehard on ACDC, man. They, they, they're up to, like, version 19 or something. Like that. <laughs> oh, like that's ridiculous. terrifying. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, um, yeah, so just, it basically, it can extract pretty much everything hmm. that's, like, some kind of package format. Interesting. So, Seems helpful. Yeah. 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 Uh, except, ironically, for the one type <laughs> of installer package today? that I wanted it to do, right? But... I will say that uh, it said it couldn't do it, and then it told me the type of packager because it, it pulled that out yeah. of the installer, and fi- and that was something I couldn't find anywhere else, like you know Windows properties for the thing, and nothing was showing that to me. Sure, this told me what it was, and then I was able to find that you know somebody else had written one of those. Of course, in- inter- could, could you could enough. you not have just run the exe and installed it? No, because where I was trying to run it, the drive was not installed, and it was checking for it. Oh, I see. So it was saying, hey, I'm not going to install because you don't have this you thing installed. You just wanted installed. the INFs out of I it wanted to transfer to, I wanted to, I No, I wanted to see what was in them right. for the moment, right, without installing it in- with Interestingly drive. enough, for most self-extracting EXE archives, if you unzip, if you open Usually them on a Mac, temp. if you open them on a Mac, oh. you can unzip them. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Huh. You can't run it, but you can unzip yeah. it. That's interesting. It's very weird downloading an EXE and right-clicking and <laughs> unzipping it on a Mac. It just feels totally dirty, but yeah. most of them work. Yeah, that's like... Brian, install WinZip on your phone there. <laughs> it's not a Mac. It's not a Mac. <laughs> it only is a little Mac. It's iOS. It's the same, same crap, right? Yeah. No, Tim Cook said they said will no. never merge iOS and OS X. Yeah. Steve Jobs said that iOS was OS Whatever. Steve Jobs also said they won't do a stylus. So Steve Jobs is dead. It's true. That's also true. But he Last said that. I, checked. I, I thought he was in that movie coming out. <laughs> it is about him. You'd think you'd get him to play him. All right, everybody. That is going to round up the episode because it's been going on forever. Do you think he dies at the end of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Too bad he didn't uh, make music because then he'd, of course, be... A decomposing I composer. I just wondered, <laughs> I just wondered if they end the movie before that. I, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I'm never going to oh, tune so in I next week. So I won't know. Uh, anyway, that's going to be it for this week, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want to find more episodes, how to subscribe, you can subscribe through our RSS. If you want the MP3 downloads at pcper.com slash podcast you can find all that information there if you want the video versions you can go to youtube.com slash pc per we post the uh video versions there and again pc slash live if you want to come hang out be in the chat room interact with us before and after and go through all the other rigmarole that is involved in that so being that it is late uh uh we're going to end the show very quickly and on that note i'm ryan shrout i'm jeremy hellstrom I'm Josh Walrath. <laughs> and I'm Alan Malatan. I always like at the end, Josh is still enthusiastic. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Give me the last drop. Yeah.